Hi, it's Jill Schlesinger, host of the Better Off Podcast. Today, we're talking about how to make the most of your workplace retirement plans. You're not going to get rich quick. You're going to get rich slowly. Good behaviors lead to good outcomes. If we can help people in financial services, there's so many smart people. We need to help people build good behaviors, and that's going to create wealth. Welcome to the Better Off Podcast. We're sponsored by Betterment, the largest independent online financial advisor. You know, this is an interesting time of year. It's a tax time and spring time and you're getting your house in order. Fabulous time to revisit whatever financial resolutions you made earlier in the year. Also a great time to think about how much money do you actually have available to be funding for retirement? Makes sense, right? The IRS has all those new withholding tables out, but we thought it was a good time to kind of kick you in the butt and remind you about how to use your workplace retirement plans. That's why we invited our guest, Tom Conlon. He is from our sponsor, Betterment. In fact, he's the head of client relations there for Betterment Business. So let's dive into the world of workplace retirement with Tom Conlon. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. All right, Tom Conlon, you are the next guest here at the Better Off Podcast. How are you? I'm well. How are you, Jill? I'm doing well. So you know how we start every show. We say, what's the best financial money or career decision you've ever made? What is it? Participate in a 401k plan early. Oh, my God. So boring. <laughs> Let's know. do Is there anything more personal that you can give us? Oh. What have you done? Did you like get lucky with something? Did you buy Bitcoin at a dollar? Yeah, no, no. Um, I've made a bunch of horrible financial decisions in the past. Well, we'll get to that <laughs> later. That save that stuff up. We love that. Yeah. So you are a retirement plan specialist. You're an expert, if you will. Yes. And what is it that we, as plain old participants, in our various financial worlds and retirement plans, what are we missing? What are are mistakes that we're making? The worst thing people uh, tend to do when the markets fluctuate is they make changes, is they say, you know, I, I can't really tolerate this much risk. I'm going to go shift my portfolio allocation, or I'm going to stop making contributions, or even worse, take money out of my retirement savings. So really what people need to do is stay the course, have a plan, talk to an advisor, and make sure you realize all of your retirement goals. Do you think that if it were like something radical, like with a 401k, you know, obviously you can't mess around with your pension, like moves Mm -hmm. happen in the markets and people have pensions. They didn't even know things were happening, right? (laughs) Right. Would there be anything smart for employers? I know we couldn't do that. Like if we basically said you can only touch a certain amount of your money at any given time, you have to leave everything alone. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think it's absolutely a wonderful idea. And if you take a look at what Betterman's done to the 401k, we've taken all of the mystery out of investing. We've taken all of that choice away from the participant. And we start with what are your goals for retirement? Based on those goals, let's build a portfolio. Let's stay the course. And let's not let you make horrible decisions like going into a money market fund when the market's at the bottom. Didn't we have um, uh, movements afoot where uh, we first would have the default option in any retirement account would be a cash account? Right. And now is it a target date account for most? Yeah. So the Department of Labor a few years ago established what they called a qualified default investment alternative, which is a whole big jargon word to say, we want you to have a really balanced account 
for your retirement, meaning it should be broadly diversified across both stocks and bonds. So what you tend to see these days are employers will choose a target date fund or something like a target date fund. Uh, We think a better option is actually a managed account where you can pre-select a portfolio designed to meet the individual participants' needs and then move that portfolio as things change in their life and as they get closer to retirement. And is it down to the individual or is it buckets? In other words, is it this is an aggressive portfolio, this is growth, this is balance? The great thing about a managed account is it all depends on your situation. Tell us about your goals, tell us about your risk tolerance, and we'll design the right portfolio. So you do that in a 401k plan. So if I'm if, if Mark and I start a company and we have, you know, 50 employees, each of those employees will get a, a singly managed portfolio? Yeah, here's the best thing about our portfolio. It starts with just your time horizon to retirement. And then through our app, we ask more and more about your financial goals, about what you want to accomplish, about your risk tolerance. And then as we get more information about you, our portfolios get smarter and smarter and they're built around your goals. What's your view on companies having stock inside of retirement accounts? I don't think it has any place in a retirement account. You know, if you look at people's largest asset, it's their ability to earn an income throughout their career. Human capital. Exactly. That oftentimes is tied to a company. So there's a huge asset, a huge part of your balance sheet is already tied to a company. Then you add in company stock, options. We don't need any more equity positions in a company within a retirement account. So I encourage employers that have company stock, rethink it, possibly shift it, um, maybe something a little more diversified. Is it surprising to you that all these companies, these like sycophantic, like kiss ass companies who are like, here's a bonus for you because of the tax plan. So what I thought would be really smart to do is like, hey, I'm a company. I got a permanent tax cut, right? Right. So why would I give a temporary bonus? Why don't I show a permanent care for my employees? So I was hoping that we were going to get this flood of companies that said, hey, you know how we match 50 cents up to the dollar to 6%? How about dollar for dollar up to 10%? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it's funny when when you think about companies and what motivates them. Yeah, it's a one-time expense. They don't have to carry it forever. But think about the company contribution in a 401k plan in terms of financial wellness. You know, for every year someone delays retirement, it costs a company between ten dollars and $50,000. Make the investment in your employees, get them set for retirement, bump up those employer contributions, it'll pay dividends in the long run. That's interesting. Go back to that stat for a second. So, because you're making more money later in your career. Right. And so that's why when you have all these big companies who are like, oh, we're offering you a payout. Right. Right. In fact, someone just stopped me in the hall today Mm -hmm. here at my fine organization at CBS News and said to me, I was offered a payout and he's 62. His wife's younger, doesn't work. And he has a kid who's still on his health insurance. So he said they offered me a payout. It was a year salary but I had to go on Cobra. Right. And Cobra was incredibly expensive. So even though he got a year offer of like, you know, here's, I'm going to make it up. I don't even know what it was, 150 grand. He's like, yeah, but I had to pay $1,800 a month for Cobra. It didn't work. So he's staying on. Absolutely. So companies, when they think about their financial wellness programs and they put it all together, 
It makes sense to ensure that your employees are on track for retirement. If you are financially well and you're very well prepared for retirement, let's say at age 62, you're going to retire earlier. That saves the company in not only salaries, bonuses, but also health care, which is a huge expense for companies. And not only that, it doesn't clear the way for younger people to advance because if you have a, so many people, if you do have a top-heavy organization that, in terms age-wise, it, it's very discouraging for a young person who's like, well, I have nowhere to go. Absolutely. What do you think about this idea? You know how if you're, um, I, I don't know if it's every single teacher. I have a friend who's a New York City teacher. And uh, when she first got her, she got her first job, she was forced to put away a certain amount of money in her pension. Yeah. It was just, you had to do it. Right. Right. And nobody says, oh, that's so unfair that right. I'm forced to do that. Is there any place for a compulsory contribution into a 401k? So along with implementing these default investments of well-balanced portfolios, right around the same time, the uh, the regulator said, you know what? It's a good idea to not make people opt to enroll into the plan, but rather make them opt out of the plan. So a lot of companies adopted this automatic enrollment feature. It starts typically at a lower rate and you can increase the savings over time. That provision has created more wealth within 401k plans than anything else. Forget this whole argument of active versus passive or do this versus that. The savings rates in 401k plans are the largest contributor to wealth than any other mechanism. So stop driving yourself crazy about like, oh, I'm the S&P 500 fund versus the uh, DFA large cap, blah, blah, blah. It's irrelevant. It's what you do. Exactly. And, and there's a saying that we have, you can always save your way out of an investment problem. You can invest your way out of a savings problem. Who says that? I like that. <laughs> is that is that yours? I'm gonna con- I want to quote you on I, that. I'm sure I plagiarized Mark, it. That that's the title of the episode right there. Okay. <laughs> uh, what should the automatic enrollment rate be? Six percent. Well, what should it be? It should be six percent. Really? I think it should be ten. You know, start at six. A lot of times, people don't realize it's less than what you're paying in FICA. It's on a pre-tax basis and bump it up every single year. So auto escalation. Auto escalation. Started at 6%, get it up to 10 or 12%. You know, and I did the math the other day, even without company contributions, take a 25-year-old who makes, say, $40,000 a year, starts at 6%, right. increases each year up to 12%. Right. Say that person gets a 3% per year raise and 6% market returns. They're a millionaire by 63. So here's my plan. I think we should start at 10 because I think when you get out of college, it's irrelevant anyway because you don't, you've never been paid before. Right. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. So I think we should go 10% and then hopefully get them to 20% right. as quickly as possible. Uh, should 401k loans be allowed or not? No. 401k loans add this degree of complexity on the administration side in this huge cost in administering a 401k plan. It adds the expenses to everyone. More importantly, it erodes savings for retirement and it leads to horrible behaviors. You treat this this sacred pot of money that you have for retirement as kind of like the piggy bank. If I need you know, home improvements or I have this thing I want to do or I just want to take an awesome vacation, I'm going to take a 401k loan. The worst way you can use retirement assets is for anything other than retirement. 
So yeah, I hate loans. They're horrible provisions. We snuck them in there a long time ago to encourage people to save, to say, you know, in case you had an emergency, we'll give you access to that. It's hard to say like, oh, I put this money in, I can't get it out, right? So I think we should just really be hard asses about what a hardship loan is. That's my that's my two cents. I mean, I'm not a fan of them either because I think that not only that everyone says, oh, I'm paying myself back interest. Uh, can you explain how that math doesn't work so well? It doesn't. So when you take out a 401k loan, it goes, you put the money in pre-tax or your employer puts it in. You take out that money, you don't pay taxes. When you repay that loan, you're just replacing the money that you took out of the plan. That interest that you pay is not tax deductible, but it's taxable on the way out. It's this weird concept, but all of the interest you pay towards a loan is double taxed, uh, which is absolutely horrible. The other thing that tends to happen is as you take out a loan, that money is out of the market you lose all of that earnings potential every day that that money is out of the plan. What I encourage employers to do and what a lot of them are starting to do, talk to your employees about emergency funds. Let them know they need to have six, nine, or even 12 months set aside so that they don't have to dip into their retirement savings. I'm so glad that you said six to 12 since I uh, I am also a wimp and I, (laughs) I myself prefer the 12, but yes, six to 12. So, with a 401k loan, did something change in the tax bill about repaying loans? Yeah, it, it's kind of a complicated provision, but it allows for additional portability of loans and the ability to repay those loans. Uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, no one's going to take advantage of it. Uh, if you've taken out a loan from your 401k plan, that means you don't have twenty or $30,000 in your checking account. So when you leave a company, you're probably not going to have twenty or thirty thousand dollars in your checking account. I see. So the loan will end up defaulting. It will be a taxable event, and it's really, really going to hurt at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I, um, I remember when that retirement research center at Boston College put out that report a few years ago called retirement leakage. Right. And the one of the biggest sources of that leakage was not just that people cashed out of small retirement accounts, but it was about those loans that became taxable events because people took out the loan during the housing crisis to pay off a tuition bill. Kid doesn't get a job. Now you're paying. So it's really very important that people not tap the retirement account for that loan, right? Absolutely. The fundamental reason why 401k plan loans exist is because people have inadequate emergency funds. Solve that problem first, you've solved the 401k plan leakage problem. So the original sin, which is pensions went away and 401ks replaced them. We really all want pensions now. I mean, in my next life, here's what I hope to happen. I hope I come back as a tenured professor at a, at a institution where I am entitled to a pension. Right. That's really the best ever. Pensions are not coming back. 401ks are with us. Is it enough? I think that some of the data is fascinating because obviously if you work at a place and it has a 401k, that's great. But there's so many people who are gig workers and they are cobbling together incomes. And some of it's substantial, but it's but then there's like friction of starting your own plan. So what can we do to help people who are listening and they're gig workers? What should they be thinking about? Yeah, so... It's, it's all about creating the automatic savings environment that puts you on the course towards retirement. Uh, at Betterment, you know, we uh, forged a partnership with Uber. 
where their drivers can sign up for an IRA right through the app. Gig workers, their own retirement plan, super simple. Get advice, get an advisor, have a plan, and do it automatically. As you earn money, put it away towards retirement. Now let's talk about you for a second, Tom. What's your deal? Like, you, Betterman's only been around for so long. So how did you get involved in this in this company? And tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so about 11 years ago, I started in the 401k business uh, doing back office administration for really large retirement plans, uh, state government plans, hospital plans. And I really got to see how retirement plans run from the bottom up. And is it and and it's interesting because 401k providers there aren't that many because it's a crappy business. Record keeping is a horribly complicated business. Um, it is it takes massive infrastructure and it's built on old technology. So really, um, as I got to know the business, I thought to myself, geez, all of these record keepers build these massive infrastructures and they do it at very very thin to no margins. To distribute proprietary products. So when I would made the uh, change to Betterment, I was really looking for a company that was technology forward, that didn't have its own financial products. It was based around the things that really create wealth within a retirement plan, which is advice. And the only reason these companies are basically putting these big plans in place because they make no money is that they're they're just dying to get the asset, to keep the asset in-house. So that's why you get peppered with like, do you have an old account? Do you want to roll over it? And so, and it is the path of least resistance. If I work for a big company and that big company's plan is is operated through Fidelity, it's like, eh, all right, I'll just roll it over in Fidelity. Sure. So explain why and how people can get out of that trap. Yeah. And I think you're right, Jill. I think it's so easy to say, yeah, this is all my retirement money. Let's all have it in one bucket. What we've done at Betterment is we take your entire financial picture and put it on one page. You can link up your current 401k plan that might be at Fidelity. You can bring in all of your old 401k plans that are lingering out there. We'll manage that. We'll coordinate it with your current 401k, and you can see your entire picture on one screen. In a nice, clean app also. In a nice, clean app. What other mistakes do we make about our retirement accounts that we need to avoid before we let you go so you can go make more money for Betterment, our sponsor? And we want our sponsor to make a lot of money, let's be honest. Yeah, so I think the mistake that people make, um, the largest mistake, delaying saving towards retirement. Mm. Think about that that millennial who's entering the workforce now, has student loan debt, credit cards. Their financial situation may not seem great, but when you think about how long people are living now, some experts say the first person to live to be 150 years old was already born. Oh, if I live to 150, I'm going to like, I will never live that long because I will kill myself before them. That's just way too long. But think about how long this person's retirement might be. You yes, that's what save. we meant. Your full retirement age for Social Security, 92. <laughs> exactly. Something like that. Exactly. It's so important to build good savings behaviors right now. What is, in your mind, the, the single best thing that you learned since you've been at Betterment? Like, what is something that blew your mind about this world? If somebody tells you it's complicated and it's really hard and you really don't understand, it's not that complicated. It really is that easy. You're not going to get rich quick. You're going to get rich slowly. Good behaviors lead to good outcomes. 
if we can help people in financial services, there's so many smart people. We need to help people build good re- behaviors, and that's going to create wealth. I love that you say that because I always liken financial services to your general health. Like you said this in the beginning where you said, you know, financial wellness. And I think that it's the exact same paradigm because I think that we all wish that there was a pill that we could take to make us skinny and in shape. The cousin of that pill is the pill you could take to make you financially secure. And actually, it does require work. It's not as much work if you do it a little bit at a time. Right. So I like the uh, the model of financial wellness. I like the model of like it's a holistic approach. And I think that that's the, the benefit of building this around wellness as opposed to retirement. Exactly. Right? Exactly. You started the program. You you just like a shill for the topic. So you're like, oh, my best financial decision was using my 401k. Now, tell us about some of the worst decisions. Yeah. So, you know, in my 20s, I had a few extra dollars in my checking account and went to E-Trade and, you know, I'm going to get rich quick. Yeah, you are. Yeah. So I'm going to buy, you know, call options and do this. And Oh, you were an options yeah, trader. Oh, yeah, of course, because I was the smartest person I knew. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It turns out, you know, I was like 0 for 20 and said, this is horrible. Do the work that you know actually produces wealth. You know, you know this business. You've seen how wealth is created. It's not through hitting home runs because it's very rarely done. Just hit a single every day. And you know what? It's funny. Even if you strike out a couple of times, not so bad. But like 0 for 24 is not good. (laughs) No, it's not. It's not. Tom Conlon from Betterment, our sponsor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jill. Really appreciate it. You're listening to Better Off with Jill Schlesinger. It is time for the listener question of the week. Remember, you've got two chances to come on the air with us. On Tuesdays, we do the Better Off bonus call of the week. And then after the longer shows, which we drop on Tuesdays, we then feature the listener question of the week. Give us a shout. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. Ask Jill at betteroffpodcast.com. And we would love to get you on. Right now, we are speaking with John. He is on the line from Akron, Ohio. Hello, John. What can we do for you? Hi. I've seen a couple of the bonus questions on your website. And if you're not really too tired of talking about prepaying your mortgage, I have a prepaying your mortgage question. I love that. Come on. I love these. You know what? As far as I'm concerned is that if, if lots of people are asking this question, then let's keep going over it. And everyone's situation is different. So there's, you know, I, I don't want to have this be the weird thing where it's like, this is the advice of all time. It's not always the same advice. It really is situational. So tell us what's going on in your financial life, John. Well, uh, I'm married and I, I'm 52. My wife is 50. And we're pretty much maxing out everything that we can think of. Roths, 401ks, um, a backdoor Roth, 401k. Uh, we have rollover and simple IRAs, an inherited IRA, taxable accounts, uh, 529s. That's not really important to retirement. And I'm even starting an HSA this year. And maxing that out, but I've been prepaying my mortgage on top of that. And I, my mortgage right now is an adjustable mortgage. It could reset in October of 2019. It's a seven slash one mortgage. I'm not exactly. I know what that means, but I'm not exactly sure what that means. Whether it can increase two percentage points every year, or if it takes two years, I'm not exactly sure what that means. Mm-hmm. But I'm a little concerned that I want to prepay as much of that as possible before October of 2019. Mm-hmm. So I have been paying. a month extra toward that mortgage 
with the hope of getting it to $50,000 by October of 2019. And, and one pays for that. And what is the uh, outstanding balance right now? It's about 113000 I hazard to ask you a really dopey question, but sure. let me do it. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there any reason that you should just refinance it right now so the pressure is off you? I mean, you can still do this. I, I, I'm going to run a quick calculation for you because it sounds to me like you're saving like crazy, so it doesn't really matter. But are you staying in this house for the long term? Or is this a house that, you know, you think you're going to just blow out of in a few years? Tell me what's like sort of the, the general game plan. General game plan, I think, would be to stay here for uh, another Almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, long term. Okay. Um, well, okay. So, a 7 1, a balloon, it is obviously there is some risk. You probably have an incredibly low mortgage rate right now. What is that rate? 3%. Yes. 3%. God, doesn't it kill you to have to pay down a 3% note? But um, it would have been perfect if you told me you were going to sell it in six months, but you're not. You uh, want to stay in it. Probably not looking at the loan documents. My guess is that. You know, it gets capped at how high that rate could reset every year. But we are in a rising interest rate environment. So ideally, there would be kind of two general game plans at at play or or possible. One is to just refinance this note and say, you know what, I'm going to be in this house for another 20 years. I'll just refi. I'll get, you know, $115,000, 20-year, 15-year, whatever we want to do. And it's pretty cheap financing right now. So fine, let's do it. And the alternative is that you can let this thing balloon and uh, either pay it off at that time or refinance at that time. Uh, I think that refinancing in the future does not make a ton of sense because I'm not sure that you're going to be it's going to be worth it for you to do that because essentially you're going to be locking in probably at a higher rate. I think rates are going higher. I think that's sort of the general idea here. But Let's get back to whether you really need to do this because, you know, again, no one likes to pay off a 3% note, but you sound like you're a very good saver. Can you tell me about how much money you have saved? I think you – so I'm going to – hopefully I wrote this down fast enough. So sure. 401K, about how much money is in that? 307 Okay. Uh, you said you had a rollover, right? Yes. How much in there? Uh, 430 Okay. Roth? Uh, I have 378. My wife has 285. Okay, I'm just rounding up to 650. Um, what else do I need to tell you? Uh, My wife has a simple of 378. Uh huh. And inherited IRA? Didn't oh, you say 41? 41. Well, it looks to me like you got a bunch of money here, dude. How much money do you spend? We save about one income, so we spend about one income. Hmm. We're, we're both making around 165. So you figure I have really good benefits. She has none because she works for herself. Okay, but it's interesting though. I mean, essentially, you guys are spending, you know, 12 grand a month. Is that probably what you'll need in retirement? Actually, I think we could get by with around 85 a year. Oh come on! Maybe Why do you want to just... live like a pauper? Don't you want to like have know. some fun? Come on. Uh, if I can be 85 for a moment, I don't want to run out of money. <laughs> All right, you may not. Don't worry. Okay. So. I feel like you have nine. You have two million dollars. About is that right? Yeah. Okay. So you got two million now, and you're not retiring for another ten years. You know, even right. if you all right, and you're putting away a lot of money along the way. Uh, I'm just going to tell you one thing that you're going to kill me for. Don't. I'm not. What? 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 Uh, tell me. I have twenty thousand dollars in a taxable account. That's all we have. 
Okay. But so we have no we have no emergency savings. But I thought we both have stable jobs and we're living on one income, so I didn't think it really mattered that much. I mean, I'd like it to be more. So do me a favor that we'll we'll get to that in a second. So yeah, okay. because as you get more, I think you're going to retire and you're going to have four million bucks. That's kind of what I think. I just did. You, have you have you played with any retirement calculators? Mm-hmm. But I don't remember the total. I remember sort of that it's either possible or it is not. I think it is possible. So I think it's yeah. totally possible, right? In that mm-hmm. case, the answer to your question about prepaying or you know paying down the mortgage balance is not a terrible one. I would almost think of it this way. It's essentially uh, the the 3% note. It's like, oh, I'm getting 3% on a fixed investment. All right. So it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, that you're not you're getting paid bupkis on cash anyway and, you know, it's risk-free. You pay it down. Do you think you can pay this off by the time it balloons or not? Had to be really hard. I have a 16-year-old and a 14-year-old that we hope are going to college. Right. So <laughs> I, it would be hard to do that. What if you so? And, and have you investigated just a straight-up refi? I haven't. I haven't I think you should. About this, I think so you should do that. I think you should check that out. Here's what I think that takes the pressure off. Even if you mm-hmm. wanted to say get a 15-year. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, don't forget, you get a better mortgage interest deduction and you're not losing your mortgage interest deduction. Um, You get a better mortgage interest deduction. I bet you can afford a higher payment. It's not a big deal. I would I would take the pressure off yourself. I would refinance this right now. You're probably you know, if you you're not going to you said you make prepaying couple grand a month. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it would be interesting to see what your payment would be if you got a 15 or a 20 or a 30 year loan. I would refi now. Don't worry about the balloon. Don't freak out. Get the kids through college. You can always prepay this mortgage no matter how long it is once the cash flow issues ease up a little bit. And, you know, one of the reasons to get a longer term mortgage is to just help your cash flow. That's it. It's not that you're going to hold the note for 20 years. It's just that, like, literally the the next 10 years are where you're going to have more of a crunch just because, you know, kids in college don't spend less money. They spend more money. And so I think that it is worth it to refi today. Put a little, you know, do me a favor. And like, if you have a little free cash flow, I would actually beef up that taxable account just because I know you probably don't need it. I know that it's being a little bit more of a nervous Nelly than necessary. You're probably not going to lose your jobs. Do it for me. No, I'm just kidding. Do it for yourself. I think it's good to have, uh, I think it's good to have some liquidity. So I think it's especially good to have liquidity as you enter retirement. And I think that it would, would be nice for you guys is to have that liquidity, especially if you really are thinking about 62, because 62 is pretty young, right? Tell that to my wife. She wanted 52. Well, is she married to someone else with a lot more money? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we know of. You know what? I've been doing this a long time, okay? I've talked to people. I've been a financial advisor myself. I think that the idea of retiring early is always exciting and intriguing. The problem, of course, is that in actuality, many people find that working longer, it's not that you want to work longer, but it's working when you don't have to is quite enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So I would point that out to her. Even in Akron, Ohio, it must be fun to work if you don't have to work. And that's the beautiful thing. So I think you're on track. I would go for a refi. And- let me know what you find out. Just let me know what the what the actual payment is. And if you have follow-up questions after you get some pricing information, let me know. And by the way, the first place you go is to the existing mortgage holder. 
and you say, mm. I want to refi with you. Can you cut me a deal? Otherwise, I'll just go somewhere else. Okay. And, um, and you're in good shape. You're a great saver. So you're going to be in fantastic shape. And I think this will just take a little bit of the pressure off for the time being. Okay. Sound good? Good idea. All yeah. right. Thanks. John and Akron, let us know how it goes. Good luck. Will do. Take Thanks. care. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's it. That's the program. Thank you so much to our guest, Tom Conlon, and our caller, John. Remember, the Better Off podcast drops every Tuesday and Thursday. Just go to JillOnMoney.com and you can subscribe. Our music is composed by Joel Goodman. Mark Talercio is our executive producer. We're distributed by Cadence 13. And our sponsor is Betterment. See you next week.